We will talk plenty of Liberty football with John Manson. Should we also ask John if he's on a, a plane to Toronto? Let me finish, Trey. Okay. I'm we sorry. will talk plenty of Liberty football with John Manson from a seaofred.com in just a moment. And yes, that's a really good question, Trey. Um, I would expect that John Manson is not flying to Toronto as the reports are out there that Shohei Otani is, or I guess more accurately I, now, not. is not going to be flying to Toronto. Somebody who is probably going to be flying out to Arizona, though, that not immediately, but in a few weeks, John Manson, a CFRed.com founder and reporter, with us in the fast lane, John a pleasure to be speaking with you. Before we get to Liberty Football in just a moment, we hope you and yours are well and gearing up for the Christmas holiday. Liberty Basketball, Grand Canyon tomorrow. How much different is this matchup for Liberty compared to the early season games they've already played against Charleston and FAU? Because this is a chance to get a really good win, but at a sold-out Liberty arena as opposed to a road or neutral site environment. Ed and Trey, thanks as always for having me on. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Ed, because I uh, actually mentioned that or, or had a conversation with someone just a couple hours ago saying that, uh, you know, uh, Grand Canyon reminds me a lot of an FAU team. Uh, obviously not, or maybe I shouldn't say obviously, probably not as good as uh, that FAU team is. Because I think that FAU team, obviously they went to the Final Four last year and they returned 14 of 15 players from that team last year. And, and you know, I think they've proven that, that they're, you know, Final Four caliber again this season. So whether that, that comes to be or not uh, in March and April uh, this coming season, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. A lot of that's determined by matchups. But this Grand Canyon team is the team – you know, under Bryce Drew as a head coach who uh, made the NCAA tournament last year, and they got a lot of length and athleticism, you know, throughout their roster, particularly on the wing and at guard. And that's something that really bothered Liberty against FAU and and uh, will be a big, big test, a big challenge for the Flames in this game. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, and and like you said, it's a good it's a good for the players that this one's at home. Hopefully, it'll be a good crowd. It is a sellout, so uh, as long as the students show up, it, it'll be a packed uh, environment. And uh, Grand Canyon is supposed to be bringing some fans as well too. And uh, you know they're they're a you know non football playing school, so basketball is their main sport. But it, it's a good test. I mean, Liberty's not getting that large bid anytime soon. Certainly not this year. And and uh, to be able to have this type of test in non-conference play in December. It's good for the team, and hopefully they can pull out a win for Coach McKay and his squad. For Liberty, matchup-wise, how much more favorably does this matchup compare to Charleston or Florida Atlantic? Liberty's date with Grand Canyon for men's basketball, 2 p.m. Saturday over at L.A. Liberty Arena. Yeah, I mean, I think, it's, like I said, it's a very similar team to, to FAU that – They've got a guard who's, uh, you know, probably an NBA talent and, and will likely be on an NBA roster here in a, another year or two. And, and, uh, I mean, they've got, they've got hopes and aspirations of making it back to the big dance where, where they did last year. And, and, uh, they're the preseason favorite once they get in the whack. And, and, uh, you know, so again, it's going to be a really good test for Liberty. And, and, uh, you know, it's a good test for them going to Conference USA. I mean, Louisiana Tech is a team that's, you know, a top 100, I think even top 50 in the net right now and and uh they've got a lot of length and athleticism so it's a it's a similar test to, to what liberty will see in conference usa and the big thing that'll be the big change for the flames in cusa this year is that there's no you know quote unquote off nights i mean you, you don't get to play a team who's one of the worst in the country on, on a given night whereas if you're shooting 
you know, five or twenty-five like they did the other night against uh, Mississippi Valley State, you can still pull out a win. You probably can't do that in Conference USA play. So uh, certainly that'll be the case uh, tomorrow against Grand Canyon. John, pivoting away from Liberty basketball to Liberty football as we chat with the founder of aseaofred.com. He's at aseaofred and J.C. Manson on Twitter. Liberty football. Take us through from your perspective what the 73 hours were like leading up to the Conference USA Championship game, being able to watch the Liberty Flames celebrate on the field, claiming the program's first Conference USA Championship in their first season in the conference through an undefeated 13-0 record, and then the suspense leading up to what made many people maybe even forget about that moment last Friday, or at least in the short term, being selected to participate in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. You know, our guy, uh, Richie Longshot's co-host of the C-Red podcast with me, I think he did a really good job of summing it up uh, in the intro of our podcast this week. And he talked about how it was really a, a roller coaster ride, except at the end of the roller coaster ride, you were, you were headed up rather than, you know, coming down to land. I mean, you're, you're still heading up as you're going into the Fiesta Bowl. But, but yeah, I mean, it started Friday night and, and that game against New Mexico State. And of course, Liberty's 12 and 0 going into that one. And, and uh, thinking that you have a chance if you can get some help in the AAC, uh, and obviously if you win uh, the Conference USA Championship, you have a chance at getting to, to a New Year's Six bid. And, and uh, first thing you had to do is take care of business, and that was a back-and-forth affair. You know, New Mexico State struck first and kind of had the early lead, and then Liberty kind of you know took control of the game and, and took the lead back, but then they kept back, just kept fighting back, and uh, really went until the fourth quarter where, where Liberty scored, you know, 14 unanswered to, to pull away for that final margin of a two-touchdown win. And and so at that point when you're, you know, as a Liberty fan, as you're going to bed, you know, Friday night, you're feeling good. You're 13-0, and undefeated uh, season, conference champions, first year in Conference USA, and, and you're looking ahead to that matchup Saturday afternoon in, in New Orleans between Tulane and, and SMU. And and knowing that Tulane is the only team standing in front of you in the, the college football playoff rankings for, for that top g5 uh champion to get the new year six bid and and um you know then of course you know i watched the, the smu tulane game as i'm sure many people did and and smu really took the lead early and, and pretty much had the lead throughout and kind of got to the point where it's like okay you know i'm hoping that smu pulls us out by just one score because you know they, they would end up i think they're what 11 and two just a two loss team so uh, they had a good resume too and both of those losses came to power five teams so you knew they had a good resume. So when they pulled the win out, then you started to compare your resume to SMU. And it's like, okay, you feel good at Tulane's loss, but can SMU jump you? Because Liberty was only ranked 24 in the CFP rankings. And, you know, SMU could have been 26 for all we know because they only go to 25. And and so it was, you know, some back and forth Saturday night. You know, at times I felt like, yeah, Liberty's got a really good shot. Then other times I was like, oh, I'm not t- too sure about it. And then Sunday morning when the uh, – the you know AP poll comes out, the coaches poll come out. They both had SMU jump Liberty, so then you're thinking, uh oh, this might be a sign of what's about to come. And then you know, obviously the the, the selection show. You know, they released the the top four, the playoff teams there, the top six really uh, at twelve fifteen or twelve twenty or whatever time it was. And then you had to sit around and wait until you know two forty or whatever time that they announced the rest of the New Year's Six bowls. And, and of course, the Liberty was the last one. They were. Uh, you know, dragging that out for for the hype and suspense to see if it would be Liberty or or SMU. And obviously, when the Liberty name you know flashed on the screen, it was just 
you know, it's one of those moments, and like I said, as Richie Longshot said on the podcast, it's one of those that, as a Liberty fan, you'll always remember where you were. It was one of those, you know, groundbreaking, you know, cornerstone moments for for uh, Liberty uh, Flames athletics. John, how big of it was it? And this may be one of the more untold parts, but the fact that when SMU won, it meant that nobody within a loss was within Liberty. The closest teams were all two losses or more. And the way SMU won, it was almost perfect. They won, but they weren't overly flashy in doing it. So it didn't seem like the type of win where you're going to go, oh, we have to jump them over Liberty because of the way they won their conference title. Yeah, sure. I think that was that was key. Like, like I was saying a minute ago is, is, you know, if they would have come out and won, you know, 42 to 10 or something like that against a top 25 team in Tulane, uh, a repeat uh, or a team that won the champion was going for the repeat in the AAC and had been to the New Year's Six last year and, and – and beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, and and if, if SMU did that, then then they probably would have jumped Liberty. But with it being a much closer margin, it, it gave Liberty, you know, some you know hope, a glimmer of hope there. And and uh, really, I, I think also you know two other things that you know outside of what Liberty and SMU did necessarily was that really helped, and I think pushed the edge in favor of, of Liberty and getting that spot is the New Mexico State win over Auburn. That was one that kind of boosted New Mexico State's profile. It, and by doing so, it boosted Liberty's profile as far as those two wins over you know what became a 10-win New Mexico State team and a team that had won eight straight games before that conference championship game. And then, you know, on the flip side for SMU, you know, they, they, one of their two losses was was the TCU. And, yes, they, they played for national championship last year, but that obviously is not the same TCU team this year. And, and they lost in the season finale. Uh, I believe it was against, was against Oklahoma maybe. And, and uh, but anyways, that loss, the regular season finale, made them 5-7 and seven and, and not a bowl-eligible team. So to have one of your two losses to be against a team that, that wasn't even bowl-eligible and then Liberty had a win two times over New Mexico State, a team that, that won 10 games and beat – be Auburn. I think both of those things could could certainly help you know Liberty's case, and, and ultimately did, and and was enough for for the Flames to get denied, despite their you know poor strength of schedule uh, ranking, as everyone points to. John Manson, a sea of red, and JC Manson. Those are the Twitter handles for John Manson, who's with us here in the fast lane. That moment for Liberty and what it means. Short-term reward for the players and coaches. Long-term, another stepping stone for the program in their growth. Um, But more importantly for Liberty, how ironic is it that this is a program that so often has been on the the short side of those 50-50 calls and decisions making the playoffs or other events that have popped up, and yet in a year where there's so much made about who got left out and who got in, Liberty's actually the one that benefits from everything. Yeah, you know, it's pretty funny. And, and uh, you know, I graduated from Liberty in 2006 and been, been a Liberty fan all this time. So, you know, going on almost 20, 20 years now, and, and it does seem like every time it was a 50-50 shot, Liberty was getting a short end of a straw. And, uh, you know, 2008 as a you know FCS team went 10-2 and with Rashad Jennings as a team's best player that year. And, and uh, had, had, you know, a couple – Certainly, one questionable loss to Presbyterian, and and uh, but other than that, had some good wins. Beat a top twenty-five Elon team in the season finale, thirty-six to twelve, and, and you felt like that might have been enough to get in. And and of course, at that point in time, Liberty had never made the FCS playoffs. So and that was back before the Big South had an automatic bid into those playoffs. But you know, didn't get the bid then, and 
and uh, you know, years and years of the program trying to get into the FBS and to join a conference, and and for whatever reasons, you know, political or not, the um, you know those conferences would not extend the invite to, to Liberty. They would even take teams like you know Coastal Carolina, who kind of you know came out of nowhere as to you know why would you 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 know invite them to the Sun Belt when you know Liberty seemingly has got a lot more going for it. You know, certainly financially and and uh, more resources and things like that. But, um, you know, look no further than, than hiring uh, Coach Tadwell away from the Shauna Clears. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, then, you know, looking at this season specifically, I mean, you go back to – I think it was when, when Liberty beat Western Kentucky on the road uh, middle to late October. That was the first time that I kind of started looking ahead towards, you know, this team could go undefeated. And if they do, what what happens? You know, what what's going to happen? What what are the possibilities? Is a New Year's Six Bowl possible? And and I started tracking the other teams and the other conferences, and it seemed like there was a lot of other teams standing in the way, and and a lot that would have to you know go in Liberty's favor uh, for that to even be a possibility. And and it all happened. And and the last of that was to have Tulane lose. And um, I mean, from the Mountain West, I mean, you know. Late October, there was probably three teams in the Mountain West that stood a chance to to surpass Liberty. You know, remember Air Force? They were undefeated, and and UNLV had started out to the season real strong, and and maybe even a Fresno State, and then uh, Sun Belt. You know, obviously with what was going on with JMU, were they going to be eligible? Uh, you know, that that last second uh, Hail Mary they tried, and and uh, you know, it, it just seemed like everything went in Liberty's direction, uh, even to the to the MAG. I mean, you had a one loss. Toledo team going to their conference championship game, which their one loss was to a Power Five team in in Illinois by I think two points, and that was back in the season opener. And the Toledo team that beat Liberty in the Boca Raton Bowl last year, and uh, they they could have had a case too, but them losing, uh, you know, to Miami of Ohio in the conference championship game was just another you know kind of win for Liberty. So yeah, it, it, it you know seemed unusual for for liberty in their history uh, as far as how the things you know fell in their favor this year which has never seemed to happen before but but it did this year and and coach chadwell and the players are certainly uh, the benefactors of it john last one for you and we appreciate your time here in the fast lane on w26 w226 pg timberlake wvgma lynchburg wmna gretna danville Southside, and the cbs sports radio lynchburg app part of the virginia talk radio network uh, we'll get into the matchup with Oregon a little bit later, but the exposure for Liberty, each time they've hit these new milestones, including over the last week and change, how much has that impacted you guys at a sea of red.com and your work with the Flames Rising Collective and overall, obviously, how that all ties in to exposure for Liberty University? Well, sure. I mean, it's huge and really immeasurable. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, I started a sea of red back in 2012 and and uh, over that time, I mean, back then that was the first year of Turner Hill as head coach, and Liberty was, you know, a middling FCS program that had never made the playoffs, and and uh, was basically would win six or seven games a season, and and that was about the, all that that it was. And you know, Dale Lair was a head coach in basketball, and uh, things weren't going too well in the hardwood either. And and uh, you know, obviously, you know, as the program's grown over this past you know ten, eleven years. Sure, it's it's uh, indirectly had benefits for for us at a Sea of Red as well too, and and uh, you know um, becoming an FBS was huge, right? Hiring Hugh Freeze was huge, uh, you know, making it to bowl games was huge, making 
you know, top 25 is, is big in that growth. And getting into a conference, I mean, because now you can start to develop some rivalries amongst, you know, fan bases. That's something Liberty's really lacked over the last, you know, several years as an independent. And you're starting to see some of that happen. And, and then obviously with, with the success this year under uh, Coach Chadwell and, and uh, you know, it, it's really been monumental for, for Liberty as a whole, but, but also for us at, at, at a sea of red. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to cover the team. And I, I joke with uh, Ian McCall, the athletic director, about you know, you're always so good, you know, in your coverage of the Flames. And I, I joke with him. I was like, well, I mean, there's n- never never much losing going on. I mean, what is there to be critical of when you're winning championships and making postseason appearances pretty much every year? It's not much to, to be critical of. So uh, a lot of success. And, and Ian McCall probably doesn't get the, the credit he deserves for what he's done and in his time here, you know, about six years or so that he's been here. And, you know, Liberty was still in the FCS at that time and, you know, so much success over that time. It, it's, uh, it's really a credit to him. You know, he's got to be one of the, the best uh, ADs in the entire country. He's done a fantastic job. You do a fantastic job always, John. That topic on Ian McCall is one for a different time. In the meantime, we thank you for yours today in the Fast Lane and look forward to chatting again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks so much, Ed. You, you have a great uh, evening and weekend. Yes, John Manson with us here in the Fast Lane, W226 BG Timberlake, WVGMA in Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, the Virginia Talk Radio Network, part of the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. That does it for us today. We are back Monday afternoon. More on the Flames and the bowl game. Who knows what transfer, noodle, transfer portal news will pop up in the meantime. And yes, we'll also recap some hoops action with Grand Canyon at Liberty and more. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.